You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1173 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the show today. The podcast will be focused on what became a 125 to 114 loss for the Hawks up in Toronto on this Friday and a back-to-back that was a challenge for Atlanta. Honestly, the big picture, getting a split out of these two games, not the worst outcome in the world, but the Hawks had the fantastic win on Thursday in which they had three-point variants go toward them. Uh, Phoenix could not make a shot on Thursday. The Hawks were very, very hot, and the exact opposite was true on Friday in Toronto as the Raptors were red hot from three-point range. The Hawks were ice cold, and that ended up being a big contributing factor to what became an 11-point loss, even with the Hawks battling all the way to the end. So we're going to do a lot of different factors and observations and takeaways from this contest, but the Hawks did have a chance to get back to 500 mark with a win. They fell just short of that, and they will have to uh, restart and try to start another wing streak when they go to Dallas on Sunday. As far as the pregame context of this one is concerned, a back-to-back for both teams. Toronto did play on Thursday as well. It was a tough spot for the Hawks, though, having to travel, um, you know, do customs, all that stuff on a back-to-back. I will say, sort of to offset that a little bit, the Raptors actually played this, this is their fourth game in five nights. Of course, the Hawks played the Raptors on Monday in Atlanta, a game that Toronto came in and won. But, um, you know, I will say maybe a slight disadvantage for Atlanta with the travel situation, but the Raptors were playing shorthanded, and again, four or five nights is no joke. So it wasn't like a situation where it was a clear you know, schedule loss kind of thing for the Hawks. Maybe a little bit of that for sure, but Toronto just played well and shot well throughout this game as well. Also, the Hawks have not played in Toronto in more than two calendar years because the Raptors played in Tampa last year. This is the first trip to Toronto this year. Um, kind of a weird night all the way around there, and only 500 people or so in attendance in Toronto because of the local restrictions. So I'm sure it was a bizarre atmosphere to be in the building, uh, dating back to all those games in 2020 and 21 that we were uh, attending locally in Atlanta when the media was just there, etc. But a uh, weird spot, and it was kind of a weird game as a result of all of that. Uh, injury stuff for Atlanta, the big, I would say, positive surprise was that John Collins ended up being listed as questionable with right shoulder soreness. Of course, we didn't really know what the injury was going to be, but on last night's podcast, if you missed it, I played some audio from John, but he was in excruciating pain and left the floor last night uh, in Atlanta with what could have been a serious injury. It did not look good, to be honest with you. I wasn't sure about that. I was a little bit more positive after the game was over, hearing the comments and all that stuff, but still some uncertainty uh, but at the end of the day, Collins was questionable and get that decision and then ended up playing and playing fairly well in this game. So that's a, a, a bullet dodged, we'll say, for the Hawks. Obviously, it still could be a long-term issue of some kind, but the fact that Collins played the next night has to be seen as a huge positive. So even on the night when the Hawks lost this game, um, you know, not having to deal without, it, deal without Collins for a while is uh, a positive for Atlanta. Elsewhere on the injury report, Lou Williams returned after he missed the game on Thursday with low back spasms, played uh, sparingly, but played. Uh, but the guy who was out in this game was Danilo Gallinari. So the Hawks had to pair their rotation down from 10 to 9 once again. Gallo missed the game with right hamstring tightness. It was his 11th missed game of the season for the veteran big man. And they missed him uh, in some ways in this spot. Obviously, it's kind of a bad matchup for him against the uh, sort of hyper-athletic Raptors front court. But at the same time, the offense and the three-point shooting that Gallo provides is a positive as well. Um, just as a as a note, both Jalen Johnson and Shreve Cooper were not with the Hawks in this game as well, so they were without three guys technically, but two of those guys in the G League and then Gallo out with injury. 
Toronto was at full strength, no injuries there. And by the time this game started, our friends at Bet Online had the Hawks as two-point underdogs. So basically what you're saying there is that it's kind of a coin flip game. They kind of are seeing the Hawks and, and Raptors as similar. Home court is about two points-ish in the modern environment. So uh, that kind of tells you that it would have been a coin flip on a neutral site and uh, definitely makes some sense to me. Toronto is pretty good, but so are the Hawks. So uh, we'll leave that there for now. That's, that's some context. So it was like the Hawks were huge favorites to win, even on, sort of in this rematch revenge spot against Toronto. So we'll get into the game now. Um, and it was kind of an interesting start, actually. The Hawks led this game 14-6 to at the outset. They were able to get comfortably into the paint throughout the game, really, but especially early on. They made their first seven shots from two-point range. They had 12 points in the paint in about five minutes. They were putting pressure on the rim, etc. Collins had six points pretty quickly, putting some pressure on the rim in his own right. He was not necessarily like leaning into contact, but definitely didn't show too many signs of being banged up other than the massive wrap uh, he was carrying when he was not playing. Every time he went to the bench, they, they, they had a huge wrap on his shoulder, which is not a huge surprise to me, but that's worth noting as well. He did kind of let it rip a little bit on a dunk later in the first quarter, which was probably a positive sign, all things considered. And Trey Young actually scored or assisted on the first 16 points of the game before the first timeout. Honestly, Trey wasn't you know, his, his A-plus self in this game, in my mind, but he definitely had, had a nice start, and the Hawks had the lead as a result. Uh, rotationally, it was fairly similar. Obviously, without Gallinari available, they actually went to a Kongwu early. I've said this before in the recent past, but the Hawks have been, go have been going to Gallinari as the first sub, but for Capella, and they kind of always build in a few minutes per game with Collins at center. In this game, they ended up going to Collins at center in the second half, but for the most part, it was just Capella and Okongwu at center because they brought in Okongwu first for um, for Capella. And then they went to uh, Bogdanovich uh, coming in as well with Okongwu, and then they went to uh, DeLon Wright on the wing, and then Lou Williams returning to the rotation along with DeAndre Hunter was kind of the bridge guy. It's been Kevin Herter the last couple games, but with Hunter as the backup power forward in this matchup, they had to kind of stagger him and Collins a little bit, and they did not choose to go to Kevin Knox or to TLC in this spot. Um, I don't really blame Nate for doing for not doing that. I mean, it's easy to play with nine guys. You know, in fact, the Raptors are basically playing with seven guys right now. But um, it's one of those things where I wasn't sure if they would go a little bit deeper. If Collins had not played, I would have expected to see Kevin Knox almost certainly. But with Collins playing a full workload, they kind of were able to navigate that with only nine guys available. Um, beyond that, though, the first big run of the evening, other than the Hawks' strong start, was a 31-5 to run by Toronto. First, it was a 20-3 to run. And uh, going into a timeout, and the Hawks went from you know having a comfortable eight-point lead to being down by nine. Part of that was that Toronto threw a zone in there defensively that seemed to work and flummox the Hawks a little bit. They also made a bunch of shots. And then after the timeout, again, 31-5 to overall to turn an eight-point lead into an 18-point deficit in pretty short order. Um, obviously, when that happens to you, you are not in the best position in the world. And the Hawks, of course, did recover later on in the game. But still having a 31-5 run against you is a pretty bad sign for your winning for your win probability in any certain game. Um, Siakam was awesome for the Raptors, obviously an all-star caliber player, but he had it really going in the first quarter. Kevin Herter had, had a frustration technical foul when they were calling a foul on him, uh, trying to guard Siakam. The Raptors did shoot it very, very well. There was some also some, some defensive breakdowns from the Hawks, and they had their worst offensive spurt of the game, potentially. Of five points in about seven minutes or so for Atlanta. That's not going to get it done for this offense first team. Uh, the Hawks did steal four points in the final three seconds of the first quarter when they got um, Toronto got two fouls in a row on an inbounds pass, and then McDonald's had a three at the buzzer. So that was actually a nice little flourish by the Hawks, but they were still down by 11 
at the end of the first period because Siakam had 21 points and the Raptors scored almost 1.6 points per possession in the first quarter. That's not going to be tenable for anyone defensively. The Hawks didn't uh, shoot it fantastically, but they did have a good peripheral game offensively, which we'll get into later on. Uh, In the second quarter, the Hawks kind of had their turn to answer with a big run of their own uh, with a bench plus Herter, sorry, bench plus Hunter lineup early. It was not only that lineup, but uh, between the bench and the starters, they put together a 20-4 push by the Hawks between the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter. Um, that, that got them back within two, uh, which was uh, obviously actually as close as they got for most of the game. The Hawks never led again after the first quarter, which is crazy. They got to within one, within two, within three, several times, and they never were able to take the lead the rest of the game. But um, Bogdanovich had to go in a little bit. Hunter, Hunter made a couple of shots early in the second quarter, and the Hawks got in the bonus very quickly, which is always helpful. They brought the starters back in with about seven minutes to go. They used, they used DeLon Wright as the second bridge guy with Collins coming back in uh, after Hunter had to sit. And then there was a 10-0 run by Toronto once the Hawks got it back, got it back within one. So, again, uh, lots of back and forth in that first half. Uh, Capella had a nice help side block on Siakam that led to a layup in the end of the floor. The Hawks did kind of chip away, chip away, chip away late in the first half. Got within uh, two and then within one at the half, actually. But the Raptors had a couple of shot clock violations in the final minutes. Uh, defensively, it was much better from Atlanta in the second quarter. That was probably their high watermark defensively in the game, in my mind, at least both, both in results and in process. If you watch the game back, they were much more solid in that period. And again, the Hawks were down by only one. Kind of a roller coaster ride, but it was kind of a new game at that point in time. The Hawks... Didn't shoot it great again, but got to the line a lot. Offensive rebounds, uh, lack of turnovers is always a positive thing. Some balanced scoring. Hunter had 14 in the first half. That was the second highest scoring half of the season. For DeAndre, obviously he missed some time, but there you go. Um, Hawks had 14 assists. Trey had eight of those. And then defensively, it was better. The Raptors only shot 33% in the, in the second quarter alone. But um, they were hunting, I thought, Trey Young and Lou Williams pretty uh, aggressively. Nick Nurse is not shy about doing that. And that was uh, it's just a mix, some mixed success from that, from Toronto. But overall, given the 31-5 run, to be only down by one at the half felt like a like a new beginning, we'll say, for Atlanta. Clearly it didn't go their way after that, but we'll get into all of that stuff and much more. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before as football continues its march to the playoffs right to the big game in a couple of weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, your podcasts, and your news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has ultimate info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, tennis, golf, auto racing, and much more in addition to live real-time updates of current games. Do not want to take advantage of this amazing offer and everything that's going on at BetOnline.net this season in 2022. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, and the rotation got banged up a little bit early in the third quarter because Kevin Harder got his fourth foul within about three minutes, and he was auto-benched, as Nate is wont to do. So they had to kind of tweak that a little bit. They brought in McDonough pretty early uh, and kind of threw off things a little bit, only by a few minutes, but nothing crazy. Um, I looked looked this up to make sure I was right, but it was. Toronto led by between one point and five points the entire first seven minutes of the the third quarter. So uh, kind of a back and forth, pretty anonymous start for both sides. A couple nice passes by Trey Young to play Capella for layups. After Capella had missed one or two that were kind of frustrating in very Capella fashion, he finished two in a row right there. And the Hawks had a few chances to take the lead again, as I said before, just couldn't ever do it. Uh, rotationally, though, it's kind of the same stuff. Kongu came in, Wright came in, same nine guys. The offense was a little bit clunky, though, and the Raptors pushed the lead up to 12 again with less than a minute to go in the third quarter. There was a nice bucket from DeLon Wright at the uh, at the final margin, basically, of the third quarter to get back within 10. But for the most part, it's kind of a blow opportunity. It wasn't terrible, and like I said, it was pretty much 
nip and tuck the entire third quarter until Toronto kind of had a slow bleed later in the third quarter. The Hawks were still scoring above their normal average through three quarters, and they actually ended up scoring over their, above, above their average the entire game, which is kind of crazy when you lose by double digits. But um, they at that point, they were 5 of 20 from three, which, again, is a direct contrast. We'll get into the numbers later on, but let's just say three-point shooting – uh, variance does matter, and it was not the entire thing. And by the way, I said the same thing last night on the show if you didn't listen to it. The Hawks unquestionably benefited from a hot shooting night against Phoenix and Phoenix being cold last night, 24 hours ago. And then on this night, the Hawks unquestionably were hurt by Toronto having an outlier shooting game and the Hawks having a pretty bad three-point shooting game. So that's kind of the nature of the beast of the NBA. It's not always that, and there are always other things that you can sort of do to overcome that. You don't have to lose or win as a result of it. But uh, if you want to look at like big picture factors, that was definitely one of them, and that was the case, especially through three quarters. Um, the Hawks did blow a couple chances early in the fourth. I thought Kongu had an offensive rebound that he uh, kind of fumbled away, and then Hunter missed the layup on a two on a two one fast break that he's got to make. But the Raptors were scoring. They went went they had ten points in their first six, six possessions of the fourth quarter. Um, they started bringing the starters back kind of slowly. Um, it was Collins first, then Herder, and then Young. And this is a good idea and a good execution, I think, by Nate McMillan. But because the Hawks were trailing by double digits, it made all the sense in the world to just play Collins at center and use the three wings and Trey Young and use you know five of your best six or seven players and also your best offensive lineup to try to make the variance up and try to go back and score. And that ended up working. And even if, they, even if it didn't work, I would have still praised it because that was the right thing to do in my mind. When you're down by that much, especially against a Toronto team that's pretty small in terms of their lack of center size, there was no reason not to do that, and it was an effective decision from Nate. Um, Hunter, going into a timeout, was furious about a foul call, and the Hawks were down by 16 points with 7.30 to go. Um, Clearly, you're on the ropes at that point in time, but um, as you will probably have seen already, and if you have not seen, you're about to hear about it, uh, the Hawks did bounce back and make a nice close from there. So, during a timeout, when they were down 16 points, the Hawks roster was, I believe, yeah, 5 of 24 from 3 for the game, and Magdanovich was 4 of 9, so the rest of the team was 1 of 15 from 3 at that point in the fourth quarter, and kind of on cue, the Hawks made their next four threes, which were badly needed, they kind of had to do that to have any chance, and they were able to finally get a few to drop, the Raptors did finally slow down a little bit on their own right, so the Hawks got within 7 with about 5 minutes to go, and that was the first part of the uh, of the challenge, from there, after a timeout, the Hawks got three more stops in a row and two more buckets in a row. 12 straight points was a 12-0 run by Atlanta to get back within three. And honestly, they dodged a few bullets too. Gary Trent Jr., who's been red hot, missed it wide open three in the corner. There was one where they kind of had a pretty easy layup. The Raptors missed as well. Um, but again, the Hawks got within three, and they were close, close, close. But Collins missed one in the post that he is, uh, I'm not going to say he always makes, but certainly makes um, a decent amount of the time. Uh, it, was, it was contested, but he missed that one. And then Collins gets called, called for a goal 10. It was the right call, but uh, very, very close to being a clean block. But it was the right call on the replay. I think he hit the backboard first, etc. And then that was a four-point swing to give Toronto its first points, by the way, in almost, no, sorry, more than four minutes. The Raptors didn't score for more than four minutes a single point, which kind of opened the door for Atlanta. But down by five with about 2.20 to go, Trey Young gets blocked by OG Ananobi. Um, on a big possession, and then Gary Trent hits a corner three. That was a five-point swing towards Toronto. It was back to eight at that point. Um, they did score after that on a must-score possession when Trey got by Van Vliet for a layup, but then the Raptors answered once again with a backdoor dunk, and then Ananobi blocked Trey again, which made it even more tough, and then finally the dagger that kind of ended the game was the Scotty Barnes three with under a minute to go to put the Raptors up by 11 points. So 
again, the Hawks got within two or three and repeatedly, and then within three with about four minutes to go. And, you know, that's you're, you're probably the underdog in that po- at, at that point in time, especially when you've had to expend a ton of energy to get back in the game. But they had chances to win this one and just couldn't quite get over the top. Um, takeaways from this game on both sides of the ball. I will say it was a pretty good offensive performance from the Hawks. Tor- Toronto is a kind of a weird defensive team. They put a lot of pressure on you. They have some glaring weaknesses as well, but they uh, are not bad defensively. They're well coached. And the Hawks scored about 118 points per possessions, which is more than their average, and the Hawks are number two in the league in offense. So you can't really complain too much about that. Um, they were good at the line, 19-21. They had 27 assists. They had 60 points in the paint. They had nine turnovers, which is very low. 13 offensive rebounds, 17 second chance points, 16 fast break, fast break points. That's above average in every single one of those categories. Again, free throw shooting, assists, Points in the paint, turnovers, offensive rebounds, second chance points, and fast break points. The Hawks were above average in every single one of those categories. But they were only 9 of 29 from three. That, no, that, that's not outlier bad. It's 31%. That's below their average, but it's not crazy. But the Hawks made four threes in the fourth quarter to kind of salvage that a little bit. Um, and by the way, a streak ends for the Hawks in this game. They had, they had in 12 straight games, made at least 10 threes. And they only had nine. It looked like they were actually going to have less than nine through most of this game. But um, just something to put a pin in there. But again, uh, they were due for a cool off probably after that hot stretch of shooting. But uh, that certainly burned them a little bit. And we'll get into it now on defense because the Raptors had about a 130 or so offensive rating, which is uh, off the charts good, of course. And uh, clearly the biggest reason why was the three-point shooting. So as I said before, Toronto was 17 of 27 from three, which is 60-plus percent. Not huge volume in terms of attempts, but still, you know, obviously, crazy accuracy. They made five in the fourth quarter. That was very helpful as well. Uh, the Raptors had 29 assists for Toronto. The Hawks did force turnovers. They had 17 turnovers in this game defensively. Toronto was only average on two-point shots. Um, and, in fact, they had eight turnovers in the fourth quarter. But it's, you know, there lots of positive stuff. But at the end of the day, the Raptors just made a bunch of shots. And uh, the Hawks took 12 more field goal attempts than the Raptors did. And to have 12 more shots than your opponent and lose by 11 is uh, not a frequent occurrence. But one team made threes, their team didn't, and we'll leave it there for now. So uh, overall, it was not an embarrassing effort. It was not. It was probably you know it was definitely frustrating along the way because of the first half and the way that went and the one big run from Toronto. But uh, the Hawks didn't play their A game. They didn't play their F game. They kind of you know I would say you know C minus or so when you account for travel and the absence of Gallinari and you know Collins and, and Trey Young both battling some soreness I think with, with the shoulders. There's some reasons why the Hawks didn't have their absolute best in this game, but it still took Toronto shooting the heck out of the ball, and the Raptors are pretty hot right now as well. So no shame in this loss, just kind of a frustrating one. And still, if you want to be positive, they're 8-2 in the last 10 games, which is uh, pretty good. So we'll reset in a second, and we'll talk about the players and uh, also look ahead to the rest of the weekend into next week. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Bill Barr. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike protein bars and some other corners of the market that can be chalky or waxy. Built Bar tastes fantastic. Sometimes it's just boring to eat healthy, and by week three of eating healthy, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? But with Built Bar... Every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes on your home or your pantry or in the office or in your car, wherever you might be hiding something sweet. 
throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible with Built Bar. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. As always, there are amazing flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And beyond that, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. Check out Built.com often to see what's coming up. And right now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. Okay, we'll get into the player observations now as we always do on the podcast. For a new listener, what we do here is go through all the guys who were in the rotation with at least a few notes on them, their stats, and kind of an overall evaluation of how they played in the game. Um, it was a nine-man group for the Hawks in this game, and number nine of nine was Lou Williams. 13 minutes for Lou. That was the lowest on the team by a decent margin. One point, no assists, one rebound, one steal. Uh, Lou was bad on defense in this game as well. It was not a Lou game. I was actually... Not surprised, because that's the wrong word, but if it was me, I might have even thought about playing someone like Kevin Knox or even TLC, someone with a little more a little more size and defensive versatility than Lou in this game. Lou against Toronto is a bad matchup, especially if he's not absolutely cooking on offense and you know Lou had the back spasms. I might have given him another day, honestly, and kind of gone a little bit bigger. I know why they didn't. Uh, Nate trusts his guys, and it seems pretty clear to me at this point that he trusts 10 guys uh, a decent amount above everybody else on the roster. But uh, it was not the greatest Lou game, both in theory and also in practice with how he played on both ends of the floor. From there, uh, DeLon Wright was good, I thought, off the bench. Uh, eight points, four steals in 21 minutes for DeLon. Two assists, two rebounds, three of four from the floor, and three of three on twos. Two at the free throw line. Just a very solid around uh, around the floor game for DeLon Wright. Obviously, he was minus 10, which you know, I'm not going to pick on him for that. I think he was definitely not the reason why that happened. I think he was a general positive. His defense was pretty good. And then, uh, obviously, the steals stand out, but also the, the efficiency on offense. Uh, I thought it was, a good, it was a good DeLon Wright game against his former team in Toronto. Akongwu was not his best. I don't think he had some moments for sure, but four points, six rebounds, an assist and a block, minus 14, which was a team worst. Again, not all on him by any means, but uh, he was not particularly good, I don't think, in this game. Uh, kind of the same as Thursday, different matchup for sure, but he wasn't uh, dominating in the way that he has at times. Did, did, did do well in the offensive glass with four, four offensive rebounds. That's a positive for sure. And then a couple of wild plays as always, but not consistently uh, terribly good in this game. I kind of went away, went away, away from him in the second half as a result of that. Um, and then Bogdanovich, 34 minutes because of the uh, foul trouble to Kevin Herter, at least potentially, at least uh, I would say at least in small part. 18 points for Bogdanovich on 13 shot attempts is pretty good. Four steals for him as well. Five assists, four rebounds. A nice balanced night for Bogdanovich overall. He was only two of four on twos, which is obviously not bad. But four of nine on threes, he got him up and made a bunch of them. I thought he was pretty pretty good, all things considered. Defensively, um, not you know not, not great by any means, but offensively, they, they need his juice in this game. With Herter kind of struggling and also um, not really being able to stay on the floor a whole lot with foul stuff, they had to have Bogdanovich play pretty well, and he was pretty good, I thought. To the starters, uh, Capella played the least 19 minutes, in part because it's a bad matchup for him against a Toronto team that does not play a center. And also, when the entire fourth quarter turns into trying to come back, Capella never came back in, which is the right decision. I mean, as much as I think Capella played well, and we're about to talk about that, you know, when you're down 16 points, Capella's not going to really help you come back, and you're playing Collins at center. It made a lot of sense to me against a small ball team in Toronto. But I thought Capella was good when he played. Eight points, nine rebounds in 19 minutes is obviously a crazy rebound number. Um, had a block shot as well. 
4-7 from the floor. Uh, good to see him make his last two because at one point I believe he was 2-5 of five on shots around the rim, which is, of course, the point of frustration for Hawks fans, which I don't understand. It's not always fun to watch him, but 4-7 on from the floor is not the worst thing in the world. And then defensively, he was a genuine positive as usual. Um, I kind of made fun of it uh, on the uh, finishing aspect, but I think he was a genuine positive even despite that. And uh, we'll see what the matchup looks like in Dallas. It'll be definitely more favorable towards Clint than this one was, but I thought he uh, played well. In this, in this game. The other four guys played more, of course, in the starting lineup. Kevin Herter, 27 minutes. Not his best, but made a couple shots late. A couple jumpers. Made it 1-3 in the fourth quarter. Seven points, three assists, and a steal for Herter. Um, Capella, no, sorry, I already talked about Capella. Sorry. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Hunter, actually. 23 points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal for DeAndre. But he was 7 of 18 from the floor. Uh, only 5 of 14 on twos, that's not going to get it done. Um, that's not what you want. A lot of, of pull-up stuff from DeAndre, which he's he's capable of doing, but he's probably settled, settled a few different times. That's the line, though, for eight shots at the free throw line. That was a team high. Uh, defensively, it was kind of a mixed bag. He's obviously their best defender on guys like Siakam and Ananobi, uh, even Gary Trent, probably, if you wanted to say that. But Hunter off the ball was not... Um, not shining himself in glory, let's just say, in this game. And when he's, he's, he's playing the four a lot because of the way that they had to play this game. They had to, whenever, whenever Collins was off the floor, they basically had Hunter at the four the entire time. And that made sense, but Hunter is not a plus-plus guy at the four because he's more of an on-ball guy right now than an off-ball guy. Defensively, that was uh, already the case, but it's kind of showing a little bit in some scheme stuff. And it's tough ask to have him play that role in this game, but still, he was not fantastic defensively. We definitely had some offensive moments. Um, I mentioned before, but uh, I believe it was the second highest scoring half of the season in the first half with 14 points. So a positive game from Hunter overall, even with the um, shaky off-ball defense. We're going to Collins now, who was able to return and play despite the injury uh, just 24 hours ago. 23 points, 6 rebounds, a steal, and a block for Collins. 10 of 19 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3, so 8 of 13 on twos. And, um, you know, not his absolute best defensive game, I don't think. Um, whereas that was probably the case for everybody, honestly, across the board here. But he was efficient on offense. He was able to be productive. No huge signs of injury. Uh, you know, sort of knock on wood. We'll see how he responds to playing in a game. Um, but again, they kind of dodged a bullet with this one, and that's probably the most uh, positive takeaway that I can leave from this spot. And then Trey Young, 22 points, 13 assists. That's obviously good. One turnover. That's also good. Defensively, not his best work. Um, nine, and also, um, 9 of 16 on twos is fine, but 0 of 4 on threes. Um, it's rare he does not make a three, but he did not make one in this game. Kind of a weird one where I can tell you with confidence that Trey was not um, you know, giving an, an A-plus performance in this game on offense, and he still finished with 22 and 13, which is just how good he is, honestly. But um, yeah, kind of a medi- kind of a mediocre middling game in which he still had a double-double and still made a bunch of big plays. So we'll leave it there for now. But the Hawks, you know, played well enough to win on, on some level. If the Raptors had just shot, you know, a normal-ish percentage from three, the Hawks would, would have been right there. Um, and the same goes for the yeah, opposite on Thursday, all that stuff that we already said. So we'll leave it there for now. But uh, a, a game that's not it was not embarrassing, let's just say, for the Hawks. It was not their best night. Not their worst night, and they will reset. In fact, they would play pretty quickly again. They play Sunday evening in Dallas. Uh, that's actually a weird tip-off time. It's a six o'clock Eastern game, so a five a five p.m. local tip in Dallas. Kind of a strange one on a Sunday afternoon slash evening. Dallas is in the middle of a long homestand, so they will not, will not be traveling for the game. That's an advantage for the Mavericks in that spot. And a rematch of the season opener, which happened a long, long time ago, but the Hawks beat the brains in of the Mavs at home on opening night. So that's been a long time, but they'll have uh, that, that rematch in this spot 
And uh, Dallas is playing well on defense, especially. Their offense has been pretty ordinary this year. We'll have a full breakdown of the game on Sunday, but that's the next thing on the agenda for the Hawks. Last thing before we get out of here, though, into the weekend, is a couple of quick trade notes that got reported in the last day or so. Zach Lowe of ESPN reported that the Hawks, quote, remain active in trade talks but don't appear to feel the same urgency to do something that they, that they did two weeks ago, end quote. I will say I've heard the exact same thing. I think the Hawks are still making calls and taking calls, but the uh, the urgency level, the uh, desperation level is what that I would say, uh, is way, way, way down after they've won some games. Now, of course, they lose this game. If they lose again on Sunday, maybe it wraps up, wraps up again, but I think it's been a lot quieter in the chatter from what I have heard across the board because the Hawks uh, started winning games, so that kind of helps things usually. And the last thing, Mark Stein reported, of formerly of the New York Times, now have his own uh, publication, uh, but obviously a veteran guy. Uh, he, he reported that momentum is building to suggest that John Collins is now unlikely to be dealt before the deadline, is whether he said it. I would echo that as well. I think the only way that I could see Collins being traded now is in a big move that I don't see coming. Maybe it's Ben Simmons, something like that. But um, I would be surprised if it was just a Collins for pieces kind of trade that was out there. But I've kind of I've kind of always been there, but I'd be even more surprised now with the way the Hawks are playing. There was a stray report from Sham Sarania about the Ben Simmons, James Harden stuff on Friday that did mention the Hawks and their uh, reported package of basically Collins Bogdanovich for Ben Simmons, something like that, which is not like a new report. It's, it kind of framed as new, but it just it was really not. That's kind of, by all accounts, been cooling in recent days, both with the Hawks cooling overall and also Phoenix, not Phoenix, um, Philadelphia cooling overall in those talks as well. But that was at least out there, so I'll pass it along to you. If we get a rumor or we get a trade, I'll break in for sure. But um, a couple more podcasts before, before the deadline, but the deadline is Thursday afternoon, so I will record at least, I think, three shows, maybe four shows between now and then. But we'll have uh, a full primer probably up uh, Monday Monday into Tuesday, something like that, to get you ready for the trade deadline. But nothing is uh, predictable this time of year. So uh, be, be patient, and please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. In fact, if we do an emergency podcast – the, the, the best and fastest way to get that show will be to subscribe and have it delivered directly to you in your podcast platform of choice, whether that be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, etc. But uh, that's, that's an awesome thing to do. Also, leave five-star ratings and reviews. Tell your friends about the show. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. The archive is still very much available here. And it's been a very, very busy week. And uh, thank you again for listening to the podcast. But with all of that said, we'll sign off for the rest of the week. And we'll see you after the game on Sunday evening.